I thought my job all this time was to be the success story. My job is actually to fail. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another hard train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my partner in crime, our other co-host, Matt Cermak with me. What's up, F? Good to be back. What's up, my man? I just had to try and hold in a sneeze during that. It might come out at any time. Let it out. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, if your golf game's off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, you've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. Because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. The Part Train Podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ Tour Pros, best-selling author, CEO, sports psychologist, everyday golfers like Serm and me, and you, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Part Train, like every episode, is presented by Roback Activewear. And Woo. a quick story for all of the, the Roback enthusiasts out there or those that haven't hopped aboard the Roback train yet. My sister-in-law texted me and said, hey, how many pairs of shorts and colors does Roback have in their shorts? Because I got you know, you and Will, um, her husband, Will. I got you and the rest of the groomsmen a pair of shorts and a hoodie Incredible. as a groomsman gift. And all Will wears now is the Roback hoodie and the Roback shorts. Now, you might be thinking, shorts? Just a go-to. We're starting to get in the cold weather months here. We're, we're approaching November. But you said, sir, you put these shorts on the minute you get home from work, Yep. running errands, working out. They're literally yeah. for everything. And now I don't wear any other short. And I've realized if a pair of shorts, hoodie, polo can't be used for multiple occasions, I don't want it anymore. And that's the beauty of Roback is it works for everything. I mean, and the hoodie shorts combination is incredible for Chicagoans like me, a little colder right now. I'm kind of not only doing the shorts, but I'm swapping out the joggers too. Yep. Right. Yep. So it's just amazing how Roback's really dipped into this. I don't know. Maybe the almost the workout side. Cause like we were saying, I have like you're doing workouts in Roback shorts. And oh, yeah. I never thought I would change that. I always thought I needed more of a athletic gym running short, but they're awesome for working out. Yeah. It's um, everything. It's a movement. Let's just be honest right now. Hop aboard the Roback train. It really is. (laughs) Roback.com. Enter the code train. Get yourself 15% off. If you forget the code, tap our link in bio at the part on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. You'll find that link there. You tap that link. It auto applies in your cart. Thank you to Roback. Hopefully you guys are putting Roback even on your list as time to get some gifts is coming up. That's a a great excuse to get some gifts. We'll be talking holidays soon. Very soon. I think this episode... This is a really important episode for me personally. Yeah. And therefore, I think it's going to be really important for probably all of our listeners because I haven't had a great year. I put a ton of pressure on myself. There's a ton of lessons that we're going to unpack about basically how to lose your swing, how to hit rock bottom, all of that stuff. But we're also going to talk about the wins and the things we've learned too that I think can help you play better. So I've been feeling a little uneasy about this because I'm putting myself out there but I know it's going to help a lot of people, including myself. So that's why we're going to do it. But first, we're going to start with you, sir. Yeah. Talk to me about your year. I mean, your season's winding down. What we're going to do is we're going to go through each of our games and talk about our lows of this year and some of our highs. And this is a chipping away, right? We haven't done a chipping away in a while. So we're going to go deep on our big learnings of the year, hoping that it can help all of you listening. Which is surprising for you, Sarm, which I think can probably help a lot of people is you're known for your putter, right? You've always been known as a really good putter. How has it been this year when historically your strength turns into your biggest weakness? When you and I were talking off air, like about what, where have you struggled? What stuck out at least physically with my game? And it has been my putting. I mean, I had some texts to you this year. I was ready to just lose it out, like for it to just... (laughs) Just break the snap and putter over my knee. That was a couple of months ago. I forgot where that was. Oh, I think it was at one of the member guests. I hit it. It was yeah. hitting it great. It was at Eric's member guest. I was hitting it great, but I couldn't make a putt. Yeah. So I was just really inconsistent and I don't know what to turn it to. Ev. You know, for everybody, I've been using the same putter since freshman year of college. I've seen it. It's this old beat up bent nerdy. It's got lead tape on it. It was a Shigeki Moriyama limited edition. Heard of him? Like a little mallet blade. And Heard of today, them? In today's game, it, it's a small hat, right? Shigaki, great swing, a lot of power. You know, and I guess it, 
you know, there were days, not like I didn't have any good putting days. I just felt like I had more bad putting days. And it was like kind of my mid-range putting, Ev, you know, just more strokes this year that just were like, what the heck is that? Right. Like, you know, a 12, 15 footer that misses two feet, right. You know, like I just literally came out of the pot or I literally just shut the face down and like just putts that never had a chance. So I I saw more of that this year that was frustrating for me. Well, let me jump in for a second because those are the moments that we really want to have something in our back pocket. The, what was that? Right. Right. Those are the moments that have the, because I've got examples of this too with my long. And that's where doubt creeps in. That's where doubt <laughs> creeps in. That's where we can try and reinvent things. We try things we've never tried. You put compensation on top of compensation. So in those moments, and this isn't just of anything in your game, it's the thing that you're the best at. So talk me yeah. through that mental battle of why you got frustrated and how you tried to battle back. Well, I think what's interesting about it, Ev, we can talk about this too. If you think about the long game, right? And off the tee, a lot of the time you got your driver out, you have some sort of trouble somewhere, right? Could be left, could be right, could be yep. bunkers in the ferry. There's something that's catching your eye, all of our eye that's like, eh, don't want to be there, right? But with putting, that's not always the case, right? Now, there is tough putts, right? And there is putts that you're going to misread or the speed was just, you were so downhill, you were so uphill. But Ev, it was the putts that were like, Boy, this is a makeable putt. Now, granted, we know the statistics around 10 feet and 12 feet, even with tour players. Right. They don't all go in. But it was just the lack of the good committed stroke, right? I had less days of like, you know what? I just didn't make any putts today, but I made a lot of good just committed strokes. There were more days where like, I was just really shaky the first five holes. Or, you know, or I just hit all these uncommitted putts. That's kind of the comparison, right? So I think with putting... There was a round I played at at River Forest Country Club where I was hitting it so good. I'd never seen the course before, but like, I think I hit 14 greens and shot 78. And I was just. It's like for your game, if you're hitting but, 14 greens. And by the seventh hole, I had, lost, par. I had lost it internally. Like, and I wasn't like, I was playing with people. I wasn't losing it. Like, it, right. you couldn't see it. You wouldn't know. But I was really, really talking to myself. Like, it was a short, kind of old school country club course. And I would be just hitting iron after iron, 10 feet, eight feet, six feet. Couldn't make a putt. And what were you saying to yourself? How is this happening? You suck. Why do you still yeah. putt with this putter? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, you Need know, a new putter. Like, time to finally make a change. Then you start, you know, start thinking mechanics. Yeah. So I think for me in the past, being a pretty good putter, it was just like, you know, there's just days where you just don't make them, you know? but the strokes are good. But this year it was just, there was too many rounds where I was just, just not comfortable and not making committed strokes. And I think when I look at my rounds, you know, my low round of the year was 70 and my high round was 81. And mostly everything was under 78 from there. But most, if you look at my average, it was generally between 70 and 76. But here's the irony of a good part about my year was I felt like I managed my long game, my off the tee where I've generally been not as strong. Mm. I didn't have days where I was lost. You know, yeah. I felt like I really figured out how to manage the driver. We had the opposite year. I just yeah. realized. <laughs> Recognize, you know, today might be just might have to try to draw it or hit straight. Cause I'm a natural cutter. Like it was very good at managing the long game this year, but really struggled with just those bad putting days. And, I played in a scramble with my brothers over the weekend, which you know about. Which yeah. shot for, it was big money scramble. Pins are chucked in every on every hole. Playing against pros, great amateur players. There's a scorekeeper in every group, so it's like the most competitive scramble you can ever have. Finished third. You know, we played good, but I didn't make a putt for the team. Mm. Putting third, so Mike and Pat clearly made some putts, but it got to Joe a few times, and he actually made some putts. But there was two holes where we felt like we had, you know, they were. 15 footer to 20 footer, four guys, pretty good. There was one of those putts, just straight blocked it. Just straight, like just a, a 15 footer uphill that really kind of just sits bad with me. So I got to kind of figure out, will I get a new putter? Maybe I should. Maybe I should go try some other putters. Mm. Do I need to get a putting lesson and say, you know, what I noticed about what Mike and Joe and Pat were doing really well with their stroke this past weekend was, they just look smoother than me. They looked more connected and smoother, where I felt just quick and disconnected. Mm. So 
the putter of is is something on my mind. You know, those days I was hitting it really good too. I mean, you know, there could have been some rounds in the 60s, but like I hit 16 greens and shot 70 at Evanston. Great round. I'll take it all day. But like, that's a day when you want to get a couple more birds. I had one birdie, one bogey. Not complaining to the listeners, guys. Not complaining, yeah. but it's all relevant, right? Isn't it interesting, Serm, how whatever you're going through feels like the darkest, right? Grass always seems greener. So I remember being at the right. member guest this year for me and I'd hear guys, you know, Every member guest is like this, I would assume. You get off, you had your first nine-hole match or another nine-hole match. You come back, you're getting something at the turn. You see people. You always, what's the first thing you say? Hey, how'd you guys do? And they always say how they did. But a lot of times you'd hear guys be like, eh, hit it okay. Could, couldn't make a putt out there. And I remember thinking, that must feel nice. That must be really nice to, to be like, on the green. Because you're thinking, wow, at least having you're, giving yourself chances, right? You're giving yeah. yourself chances. Whereas for me... I actually made some putts during the member guest. I made some big putts. Yeah. I felt good with the putting and around the greens was the only thing I felt really good at. Also, I was very confident in pitch outs from the trees. <laughs> I've had a lot of practice with that. Club pro guy. <laughs> but I remember thinking, and it's funny because this is feedback, right? So in that moment, I'm feeling sorry for myself because I can't get the ball around the course. And it's not the course you want to do that at. And so for me, getting pops with my partner being a scratch or a plus, you just want to be in holes, right? You don't want to be blocking them. You don't want to be snap hooking them. You don't want to be topping them. Like you want to just be up and around the greens, be on the green and having looks, right? So it's funny. You'd probably feel envious of my putting. I'd probably feel envious of your long game. Yeah. In terms of like, you just feeling, you know, feeling good, right? In terms yeah. of that consistent level of confidence, right? Yeah. Well, here's what's interesting, Sarm. You talked about your recap. I'll give my quote embarrassing recap, but I'm going to try not and say embarrassing again because this is just what happened. My low round of the year was a 78. My high round of the year was 92. If I said that to you in past years, I'd be like, okay, that sounds probably about right. That seems to happen every year. I think the only difference as to why I went from a six to a nine this year, which is the highest handicap I've had in a very long time, I've usually been six or seven for like five plus years. The funny thing about that term, the only difference is not having a 74, 75, 76s thrown in. That's really the only difference, which is kind of crazy to think about. That's the only difference between a six and a nine. You think it's a huge difference? I had mostly 84s. 85s right you were right and you probably even in your past years had the had a 92 or a 90 yeah but you had those three to four strong rounds that you know you're capable yeah right yeah and like you said and i will say maybe we'll talk about this more this episode or maybe dedicate a whole nother episode to this but i've realized like my 78s of the courses i play are really like 82s 83s at the courses back home in St. Louis, at least the course I play in the member guest, just because here the courses are a little shorter in Southern California. I can spray it anywhere. Yeah. And so I can be spraying it all over the map off the tee and still make birdies because I'll probably have a look. I'm on another fairway. Whereas back home, I'm behind a tree. It's elevated greens. It's really fast greens, crazy undulation. Like you get penalized, right? Whereas here, I don't really get penalized for my mistakes as much. So Something to keep in mind, but this is probably the worst I've played this year than the last four. I'd say at least like in a, in a long time, yeah. I, I've normally had spurts, right? Where I play really well for like three months, yeah. two months, then I play pretty poorly and I try and reinvent everything. I think tying what you said together with before I go into my stuff, what I think is really important and what I've learned this year, which is why I'm going to... F- potentially fly to Chicago to see you and Jake, my swing coach is that we've had on the show is my coach said this to me. She goes, every coach needs a coach. Every person needs a coach. Every person needs help. We try and tell ourselves we can do it on our own, but I've realized this year from the beginning of the year, when I was actually really trending well to the way I feel now, I've realized the only real difference was certainty in what I'm doing. If you really think about it, Before, when I was hitting the ball well, Jake really helped me understand my tendencies 
And I understood what I had to do. I understood why I had to do it. And I understood what was going on if I wasn't doing it. That gave me a ton of confidence. It really helped with my commitment. But now when you start going into trying new feels, trying this on top of this, that's when the uncertainty comes in. Kind of like your point with the putting. Well, then you start, you're not playing golf anymore. Right. You're playing you're swing you're, you're and trying fundamentals. Golf. Yeah. Right. I think that's really big. I mean, people say on our in our comments all the time, like putting money into lessons, you don't want to get too far in the swing. But if you're feeling lost, having someone to not reinvent you, but instead educate you on what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what you're going to try and do and focus on one thing, that is so valuable. I would spend hundreds of dollars on that versus new clubs and do the same mistakes. A hundred percent. I mean, I think for you, you you just got to get an in-person lesson, which is something you're going to do. I mean, I usually do two or three a year. I think some people, especially aspiring players, should probably do five to seven. But the beauty of that in-person lesson, when I go to an in-person lesson with Steve Danino, former train alum, love Steve. Most successful listen to episode in our six years. From hack to scratch. Hack to scratch in three years. Go listen to that one. Yeah, it's a one from a while ago. But what I like to do is I go and see Steve and I just rap with him. I say, and I'm just, here's what I'm feeling. What do you think of this? What do you see this? Like you might do that with an online lesson, but then it's like, all right, let's capture the feel. Well, that's really big. Yeah. That's actually really important because usually it's the opposite. Usually you go into a lesson, they take three looks at you and they say, all right, here's what you need to do. Right. I think it's really important to explain to the coach what you're trying to do and what your feels are. A hundred percent, Ev. And for everybody listening, this is big. You're paying this guy or this woman to give you a lesson. You are there to learn from them about the mechanics of the swing, right? That's the goal. hundred percent. But don't let them dominate the conversation. Tell them what you're feeling. Tell them why this position sucks. Tell them why you get nervous on this kind of shot when you're out on the course and just let it out. It's a therapy session. I think it's, I shouldn't say you run the show. It's a, it's a give and the take. I open it up. Here's what more I'm of a doing. partnership. Here's what I'm exactly. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm doing. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. Well, yeah. Don't be afraid to disagree. And I think that's very important of lesson taking because too often it's like, oh my God, I'm going to the expert. I'm like, and absolutely you're going to the expert. They know the golf swing. They're going to help you, but be honest about what's going through your head. Right. <laughs> yeah. And don't tell be, them, don't be Hey, I don't want to work on more than one thing. Correct. So let's talk Correct. about one thing that you think can help me the most. Because Ev, I think what you and I have talked about, and you know this, like we all do this, the search for the, the right position or the perfect swing or the great takeaway. It's not that it's unattainable, but just, it's just a hard direction to go yeah. unless you had all the money in the world. Right. And you didn't have a job and you just dedicate yourself to golf. Give me a thought. Give me a feel. Let's work on course management. Let's work on putting. Let's divvy this lesson up. Let's do 40 minutes of full swing and 20 minutes of putting today. But a lot of times it's like, well, you got to do an hour of full swing. I say, that's I'm always like with Steve. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Because I want to know where we're at and what we need to work on. And then we're going to move to the putting green <laughs> or, yeah. or chipping and pitching. And that's a big thing. You know, I think. And that you, speaks volumes coming from someone like you. Because oh, yeah. I would think you wouldn't spend any time with a coach on that stuff. Cause that's the stuff you're best at. But I think that's really indicative and right. important. If you're still having the coach look at the stuff you're best at, that means that you could get even better Yeah, with it. You and know, I, that's probably something I probably should have gone up for another lesson towards the end of the season to just get another look. I didn't do that. I had a couple early and didn't go back because look, man, when your fundamentals get a little off my putting, you know, it could be something in my stance, something in my grip, something in my shoulders. <laughs> yeah. You know, take and, and that's what it is. Take a look. So, you know, investing in lessons is important, but understanding how to walk into a lesson and how to communicate with your coach and find a coach, everybody. It's not you're not just a teacher, like you said, a coach. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you're, you know, maybe in your off season have what you're kind of going to focus on, right? How to simplify things, how to understand fields. I mean, takeaway is a big thing for you. I've never understood the takeaway, like feeling wise. It's hard. Like feeling wise, I've never understood how really good players get to the club, the position they are. I do what most people do. When you play, you've played your best golf. Were you focused on the direction of the takeaway 
or the tempo of the takeaway? My best golf has been lightness at the top and usually so pushing, so the, pushing the club outside, feeling like okay. I'm starting outside, which really it's more of a feel. The reality yeah. is I'm still probably going inside, but it's keeping me on a stronger so plane. We call that outside light. Yeah. Yeah. Outside yeah. light. This is when I start to bear my soul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, this is what, where I start. Hey, this to, is what this show is about. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you, sir. And this is a good thing that I'm experiencing this because this helps the listener put themselves in my shoes and vice versa. And that's, what's going to keep this show valuable for people. I honestly don't think this show would work if I was a plus one or a plus 0.5 like you, because what you experience is different than what I experience. Right. And I bet you, if I was a six or a nine, Yeah, and I bet (laughs) you, you haven't experienced what I've experienced this year in a very long time, probably since you were a little kid. I think that's a really good thing. Here's the traps I've fallen into this year without even realizing it. I have played in my Ryder Cup trip, which historically I'm, quote, you know, the lowest handicap. My member guest, which we've had success with in the past. I'm going to have to recap this at some point this year, but an unbelievable run. I'll probably never top this year in regards to the type of golf courses that I got to play. Super grateful that I got to play the places I did. So if you think about the combination of all that, it's probably not a coincidence that I played my worst this year, because if you think about it, big events that meant something to me and courses that I put a lot of pressure on. Okay. But here's the biggest trap I've fallen into. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit this, but I'm going to, because I think it can help you. That's what this show is about. I have realized that with more expertise, more practice, more impact with the popularity of this show, more knowledge, more knowledge. I've started without even realizing it. I've started to wrongly expect myself to be the case study, be the success story for our listeners. I think without even realizing it, I wanted to be the six to a scratch and help our listeners by helping me. That's really what I wanted to do. And I realized that I so badly wanted to record that podcast of the six to scratch or the nine to scratch and share it with everyone that I I, fell into some very common habits. Let me go through these habits that I fell into. Okay. I've identified with my performance and my handicap strongly so that every time I fail on the course, fail is in quotes, I was failing as a person. So that's why I would feel really down knowing, even knowing the tools to get myself out of that and feeling like I have the tools where I quote, shouldn't be feeling that down, which is a trap in itself to try and reverse the state we're in instead of kind of really feeling it and accepting the state we're in. The feeling of shame really came from identifying with my results, which is a very common thing. We all do it, right? Two, I've put a ton of unnecessary pressure on myself to quote, figure it out and perform in front of colleagues, people that might know who we are on bucket list courses and bucket list times. So bachelor party, pre-wedding round, not that it really matters in those times how I feel, And it's not that my expectation was to play well. My expectation was to just play and have a good time versus being really confused out there and feeling like I can't get the ball around the course, right? You just kind of want to like get it around. Which is also a bad attitude. Yeah. I mean, it's not. (laughs) That's not the right right attitude. That's a defensive mindset, right? So that's another trap I fell into without even realizing it. I fell into defensive because of the results that were in front of me. Three, I wrongly expected my job as the co-host of this podcast to be perfect and play great golf. I'm not on here because I'm a great golfer or I'm an amazing golfer. I'm a decent golfer, but I'm on here because I've worked at my mindset for 17 plus years. We've helped a lot of people. And I think through that, I've realized the most powerful thing was the relatability of our realities and our life to help people that are going through what we're going through, right? So what I've realized, this is the biggest one. My job is actually the opposite. I thought my job all this time was to be the success story. My job is actually to fail 
and to keep unpacking why what happens right and how we can improve together through my failure right so you guys might not be a podcast host of a mental game show but you might be holding on to the identity of a five handicap the identity of being a great putter the identity of being a great driver the identity of not getting frustrated or the identity of getting frustrated what are we holding yeah. on to that's getting in our way? And I realized that's what the pain was from. The pain is from my identity as the host of this show. I can't even help myself. It's fertile ground for the ego, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the vulnerability, the honesty is, and that's tough. It's important though, because we've all been through it. Just an observation, but you were vocal about this. Yeah. When we get off that round at Lucky Vera, um, you said to me, like, and this is, I, I noticed, like, your just mind is not where it needs to be. It was like, man, I was playing with you and Ryan today, and Ryan's our best buddy and teammate of mine in college, and Ev's best buddy growing up. You're like, I just wanted to be in the fairway with you guys, sticking shots, being in the mix all day. And I think I said to you, I was like, yeah, that's not the right mindset. I mean, it's it, fair it, to want that. Right? It's fair to think that. Yeah. But I think you let it overcome you, right? Yeah. And I think that kind of clouded your decision making on the course. Yeah. Ripping driver on certain all, you know, like just that happens to all of us. I'll talk about it in a minute about what I, my struggle was over the years with some of this stuff. But um, look, it's it's that effort to want to be great at this game, and like you said, sometimes too much information paralysis by analysis, right? Yeah. That desire to understand the game as well as anybody and understand your moves and your positions. And then right. The ego part trying to, trying to play for others when all you can do is play yeah. for yourself or some higher power, right. There's a spirituality side, which yeah. we've always talked about, like finding that balance, right? Like why do I play? Right. But it can't be for others. All right. We're going to take a quick break here from one of our sponsors that I think a lot of you are going to love for the upcoming black Friday holidays, et cetera. And uh, I'll get you right back to the show. So you guys have heard of Sticks Golf. If you've been listening to the show for a while, they were a great partner of ours almost a year ago. And we sold thousands of these sets. And so many of these people that have gotten Sticks Clubs have DM'd us and told us that they love them. They're the best clubs for the price that you can get them. Right now, you can basically get a full set of Sticks Golf Clubs from $699, or this is the coolest thing. This is something they didn't have last year. You can do payments. So payments as low as $63 a month. So you can get a full set of clubs. I'm talking woods, irons, wedges, putter, bag, head covers, towel, you name it, and pay $63 a month until it's paid off. And it'll only take about 10 months based on their cheapest price. So go to sticks.golf, that's sticks.golf, enter the code train, get yourself 10% off. They're having a flash sale right now for 20% off. I don't know how long they're going to run that for. So you could get even more off. This would be a great gift for someone who is starting in the game of golf, wants kind of a beginner set upgrade from hand-me-down clubs from maybe relatives or friends. Or if you just have hand-me-down clubs that you need an upgrade and you've been playing for a while and you'd like something that doesn't break the bank, Sticks is an amazing option. They're one of the fastest growing companies in the last two years in golf. So Sticks.golf, S-T-I-X.golf, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 10% off. All right, let's get back to the show. Why I play is the mental practice. So I love watching myself get upset watching myself get frustrated, watching myself feel down, let it happen, focus on something more productive and have a great back nine, right? Or have a great back few holes. That to me is the most gratifying thing. So in these experiences I had this year with my member guest, my Ryder Cup, I've never struggled in both. This goes back to identity. I've kind of prided myself at playing the best during the highest moments, Right, Because of this stuff that we talk about in the show, because yeah. of the training, I realized that that's why it's painful because I'm stuck in the identity and the story of, I don't do this. Right? right? Why don't I go into a couple examples of what I went through 
in these events and kind of what I'm looking to do moving forward. Sound good? Yeah. So when I think about my Ryder Cup trip and the member guest, it's so funny how your body, you know how intelligent our, our bodies are without even, even realizing it? Like, do I know exactly where the face is? Can I feel it opening up? Not really, but subconsciously my body could. Like the sure. face was so open. Yeah. In my it, backswing. Your mind always knows. That it was hard for me to commit. And I found that under pressure, and this is really good learning for me next year, under pressure, it's harder for me to let the club transition naturally. So that lightness at the top is harder because I don't want to let that face flare open. So there's control and fear there that I have to let go and realize that light at the top is my only key to do, right? So what was happening was physically, I actually think this is interesting. There's like a physical mental connection here where what I want to work with Jake on is, hey, when I feel like this, what is my physical cue? What can I go to, right? Because my problem was I wouldn't have lightness at the top. I get quick in transition, which means I'm getting steeper, which means that for me, historically, I hit draws. I'd try and hit these little knockdown, just try and manage my game, knockdown shots, and I'd be losing them way right, which right. normally my knockdowns would go left. So that goes back to these moments of, oh shit, what was that? What's happening? Panic mode, trying to like play problem solver when really you just so need what, to get out of your own way. It's the worst way to play in Advil. I mean, like what you were not only dealing with is your driver. You were dealing this with all like, so because people would say, people are listening to this right now. I'm like, ah, just fucking hit a hybrid, right? Like yeah. just hit a, and Well, that's the story. And this it, is right. This is like where you've hit. You, that's you've the hybrid the story. Why can't. You know, you've you've lost control of the face, right? Like you just do you think you let, let, let's have a hypothetical. Do you think if you pulled out a seven iron on a four hundred yard par four because you can't hit a driver, you can't hit a three wood, you can't hit a hybrid, do you think you could have done it with a seven iron? Well, this is funny. In my Ryder Cup trip, because remember, if you get a shot on a hole, right? You you hit a seven iron on 180 yards, then you hit a five iron. Yeah. You know? Well, this is funny in my Ryder cup trip. And this is, again, it's hard to talk about this, but I'm going to do it. I went through this where I was losing it all over the map, just taking myself out of holes and Ryder cup Saturday was match play. Right. So, and well, this is all match play. So yeah, perfect example. I, on a hole, there was water, right. And it was a really short, like a 300 yard par four water. Right. And I was like, well, clearly I'm not going to go for this. So I hit like a seven or six iron to put it on the fairway. And I blocked slash hosel, not hosled, but like basically flare blocked a six iron into the water. Right. In the member guest, I took hybrid off of a short par four to just try and get it into play. And I lost both right. OB. I hit two off the tee, hit a provisional hit both right off the tee. Right. So that is the ultimate example of panic because you're laying back you're playing the quote smart shot and you're not quite sure why it's happening. Right. And so that was really, really challenging. Well, so look, cause Ev, you were, I'm going to cut you off for a second. Yeah. You're at this point where the majority of the holes just didn't fit your eye. You felt uncomfortable, right? Because you had a two way mess, right? Yep. Trouble. You saw trouble left. You saw trouble, right? It was all on your mind, right? Yeah. Just for the listeners, for the context. Yeah. So Here's the I, big... have a, I have a thought I want to share after you go through this. Well, go ahead. It's a good exercise. If you've got a dog like left par four, 410 yards, you're like, you're like, I can't. The last thing I want to do is hit a left. You've heard me on this show talk about how much I hate hitting it. You left. hate hitting it left. That's yeah. how I start walking <laughs> off the course. <laughs> what if, Ev, what if, if Scott Boston talks about some of this stuff? I've seen my brother do it. What if you hate that hole so much? What if you just aimed at the trees and aimed at the trees? Right. And said, I'm going to hit it in the trees and make a free swing. Do you think that would have freed you up? I mean, potentially, this is dire circumstances, Ev, right? Yeah. All you're looking for is a confident swing. You know, you can't hit a fairway with any club. We've all been there. Yeah. It's to some degree, as you, as you kind of process this, as you look back on this, as you move forward, what's going to create a free swing? Because you know what, Ev? You're going to make good strides in your game this winter and all that stuff, but there's going to be days where you're just going to, it's going to come back. 
and yeah. you're going to be in a dark place. So like, how do you make free swings? So if you make a free, you aim right. You say, I'm hitting the trees. The hole doesn't set up for me. And I'm going to get up and down. I'm going to punch out. I'm going to get up and down. And then I'm going to actually maybe create some momentum. Right. Because I actually made a free swing. That's a good swing. Right. Thoughts? <laughs> let me let me compare the opposite ends of the spectrum here from the member guest. I played in five matches. In four out of the five matches, maybe three and a half to four out of five matches, I felt terrible because I felt like I'd never played before. Ryan was playing great. So all I needed to do, again, not the, this is what the ego is doing, right? All I need to do is make some pars. All I need to do is even make a couple bogeys. Well, bogeys were in the top flight. Bogeys really weren't doing anything. Really pars, right? But here's the difference. On those three to four matches, when I really was so confused of like, I don't know what's happening. The club feels foreign in my hands. I'm seeing misses I've never seen before. It's a spiral, right? We've all experienced it. Reflecting on this, it was like managing a fire. I was firefighting. I was trying every feel I've ever tried. I was thinking of things. I was putting compensation on top of compensation. But here's the difference. The first match of the whole week. Which you guys won. We won three up. So we started, I think, four points, which is a really good start in a member guest. It can really set up your whole week. I felt just as uncomfortable, maybe a little less, but very uncomfortable. Like I wasn't hitting the ball solid. Let's just put it that way. But my key was, as soon as I took the club back, the first two inches of that club going back, my feel was starting to load my backswing and starting the downswing. Like I'm a really long, right? So for me, what feels short is usually parallel, if not past parallel. So for me, it was like, it was a key of really light takeaway, but as soon as I do that light takeaway, I'm starting to fire down. Okay. But that's complicated, Ev. But here's the thing. <laughs> my only, it sounds more complicated than it probably is, but my thought was basically fire down at the ball. So really go after the ball. But you said fire down at the ball and really go after the ball. So that sounds to me like get steep. Maybe, but not to get too technical. But I will say that was a key for me physically that wasn't too technical. It was more of a feel of every shot, no matter how uncomfortable I'm feeling, I'm going to go after it essentially is what it was. And that's not easy to do when you're not feeling good. It's hard to rip the rip at the ball. So my key, the first match was lightness, rip at the ball. That's a simpler way to say it. Okay. Oh, right. Lightness and, 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 rip way, you, and as you know, the only way you can rip the ball is be light and transition. Right. Right. So here's the funny <laughs> That's thing. How you don't back out of it. You know, here's the funny thing <laughs> that first match. Did I hit it? Great. No, but I was in the match and I made some big up and downs and I made a couple putts in really big moments that I won the team a couple holes. Ryan won us a couple holes and we won the match. Right. Here's the crazy thing. I started getting confident and I was at the range and I was like, instead of doing the thing I just did that won us the match, I started feeling something that I did a couple years ago and it felt good at the range. And so I went with that because I wasn't hitting it perfect. So I still felt like there was room to improve. That is the danger. Yes. I think because I got away from what worked knowing you weren't in a great place to begin with. Right. And you should just like, you know what? I Let's just, just stick with what's doing. Just what? manage this. Yeah. My short game's been pretty solid. Yep. Reliant, right. Isn't it funny how, even in the moment, how I felt good about it, trying things that I haven't tried in a while under pressure is going to bring things you're, out that you're not you're used to seeing. You're done. Yeah. So I think that's actually a really big learning of like, what is working for you? Do you have the knowledge and the education of what you do, why you do it, and what your tendencies are? Because I can tell you right now, what misses you see with your buddies or playing by yourself, those misses are not the same as when you're playing under pressure or when you have a chance to do something great or you see a miss you're not used to seeing. That type of tension revealed things to me. Yeah. So instead of just getting down about how I didn't perform as well as I would have liked under pressure... 
now I have really strong clarity on what my tendencies are under pressure. So now I can go to Jake in Chicago and be like, help me feel where the face is. Help me understand so that I'm not struggling with this open whippy face that can have, that can close down and have a 30 yard hook and be wide open and have a 40 yard block. Right. Right. But the lesson is, I mean, it's a great breakdown of what you've shared and it's been so difficult, but you got away from playing golf. Yeah. And this happened to me three times in my life. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to be succinct about this. And it's all in the search for the perfect swing and the perfect feel. You're mm-hmm. never going to have a perfect swing. You're never going to have a perfect feel. Look at Mark Holder. Co- right. Coach cannot give you a perfect feel. You're right. Jake's not going to, but he's going to help you try to understand yeah. those feels yeah. and recognize you're never going to perfect feel. But like, you know, in eighth grade, I went to the junior world. We talked about it with Grayson Murray. Yeah. I shot 72, 73, 73. I finished 16th. In the, arguably in the world. Right. Yeah. Philip Francis won the event. And I got on the range Then we stayed on that Sunday and I got on the range. My coach came out and I said, what do we got to get better? What a hush. I change my swing. I don't swing it like Phil Francis. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, you're laid off. You know, we got to get you more of your right shoulder. I did it then. And then I got his scholarship to Missouri state. So that happened like junior year, senior year, got my D one scholarship. Let's change my swing. Let's, I was always in the search of perfect lines. Yeah. It's like, I already got here. How can I get better? And which is getting away from what got you there. Right. And then I got, I redshirted in college. So I had a year off. I had a back injury and then started to feel a little better, but I was, I had had all this time to practice. This is the time. This is the time to figure out the backswing. And I never figured out the backswing. I'm just a laid off Ricky Fowler kind of swinger, swinger, but, um, (laughs) I lost sight of just playing the game and working more on your short game. And I'm never going to be the longest hitter. Yeah. You know, I'm never going to hit it the highest, you know, how do I, you know, what I should have been thinking, okay, I'm a laid off circuit, but how do I get that club more inside? How do I find a better move to get it inside as opposed to like, well, I've got to get the club, you know, looking like Adam Scott. I did that three times of three times. Mm. I'm sure I'm a great, sure. I can play this game, but like, my uh, my search for greatness and you know something maybe that's a little beyond my identity as a golfer it screwed me Ev, to going to the next level right to going to to giving a shot to playing the mini tours and i think that's kind of your big thing now too right like you want to be a zero handicap you want to be a three like but yeah. you have a good golf swing <laughs> you are a great athlete You've worked on your short game, which maybe we'll kind of, you know, tailor this into that harder than ever. And you've, you, because of the show, you've thought about course management in ways that you never did in the last couple of years. So you kind of have all the tools right now. It's just understanding, obviously, a little bit about your long game. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here from a new sponsor, and then we'll get you right back to the show. So we worked with these guys over a year ago. I'm bringing them back for you guys because they're my favorite way to stay hydrated. Now, a lot of people here, yeah, stay hydrated, stay hydrated. I think the key is why do you want to be hydrated? There's a ton of health benefits, but a lot of you might drink alcohol, and when you wake up and you hadn't been hydrating, you're going to feel hungover. And when you feel hungover on the golf course or not, I'm 35 years old now, okay? The last thing I want to feel is feeling hungover. So I actually reached out to these guys for you. They didn't reach out to us at first, okay? I scoured the internet trying to find a clean hydration multiplier and I just couldn't find it. I I looked at like 10 options and all the ingredients were bad. You couldn't pronounce pretty much anything on the label and it was super sugary and just didn't taste good. So I finally found Cure Hydration Packets, okay? My favorite flavor is lemon. It's not sugary, there's no sugar. It's super subtle, but it still tastes good. I found Cure Hydration. I drink one in the morning, every morning. And on my bachelor party, and again, I don't drink that often, but on my bachelor party, I had one in the morning and one before bed. And I woke up feeling great every morning. So go to curehydration.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 20% off, and get yourself some easy hydration. It's a simple pack, put it in your water bottle, go on the go, and uh, you're gonna get so much better ingredients and taste than all the other options that have terrible ingredients and are too sugary. So curehydration.com, enter the code train, 20% off, stay hydrated. Let's get back to the show. 
going back to my thing about I- identity, I also identified with having a better short game, which then put a lot of pressure on all I got to do is keep it in play. And I'm going to be so much better than I have in the past, right? It goes back to expectations without even realizing it. Well, hundred percent, but it's difficult because I went through it, you know, just your ball striking. It's so bad. And then like, it just carries over into everything, but you have to remind yourself, all right, I'm not hitting it great today. I don't feel great. I was a little tight this morning, blocking it right. It might take me a few holes, but Hey, like you said, you've had real confidence hitting cool shots out of the trees and getting up and down. But I lost some of that too this year. Some of the member guests, I was like, I'm just, I'm not as good a ball striker as some of these guys. I was then putting pressure on my shirt game when I should have been said, like, you know what? I hit it a little shorter. Maybe I'm a little crooked, but like I can get up and down. When I'm playing my best golf or in college too, I was like up and down everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Well, because you celebrated (laughs) what that feels like as you're for an opponent, right? Right. You embraced Um, it. Yeah. So I think, I know it's been a really tough year for you. You know, it's, it's great that you've been talking about this because I know it's not easy. It's embarrassing when you're out there. Right. I've been through in college too. I fucking, I couldn't hit a fairway. I just couldn't, I couldn't hit a driver. Well, you know, what's something that I want to say. I heard Gary V say this. I think it's actually really important for everybody to hear it. I think it's easy going back to the identity thing. One more time. It's easy to identify with what we're really good at and think of ourselves as an expert in something, right? Whether that's a particular part of your game, whether that's in golf in general, based on your handicap. But if you think about it, Bob Rotella, I guarantee you, is out there playing golf and struggles sometimes. He wouldn't be a good coach. 100%. He wouldn't be a good coach if he didn't understand the struggle. Rick Sessinghouse told us. Brett McCabe talks about that. Brett McCabe talks about it all the time. He says he coaches the number one player in the world, and he's out there having to remind himself about it. Rick Sessinghouse, Colin Morikawa's coach, told us that's why he still plays because it's easy to just be a mental coach, but you have to go through it yourself, which is why I think it was so painful for me because that's my favorite thing in the world is to feel a little pain and help bring myself and more importantly, others out of it. And I felt like I was failing our listeners by not and you're not being the success the story myself, right? right. Which and clearly was getting in my way. So I say that to, to shed light on that for you. Like, what are you, what story are you telling yourself? Where are you like embarrassed to talk about? What are you feeling the most shame about? That's the story to let go of, right? So what I would say, instead of thinking of myself as a, you know, our buddy joked with me, like he sent us that video of me years ago laughing after I scolded three wood and I threw my club like 40 yards. Right. He called me the mental game guru in quotes, but that's the trap we fall into because none of us are really experts or gurus. So I would assure myself no. and you to look at yourself as an enthusiast, not a guru, not an expert. We're just trying to figure it out. Together. We're just trying to figure it out, but we're, we're enthused about it. Right. I love we nothing more it, than this right? stuff because it helps me in all aspects of my life. Golf is the greatest mirror of what's in our heads. So that's something that I'm going to really work on. That's my pledge to you is instead of looking at myself as an expert because of the popularity of the show, I'm going to look at myself as an enthusiast in this stuff and I'm going to get better and I'm going to learn about myself and I'm going to try and put my entire fiber of my being into removing the ego out of it being okay with failure so that someone else can succeed because of our learnings. And, and that, that anybody who's played this game, even the greatest players in the world have had down moments. I've had yeah. mental Tiger Woods couldn't chip. Remember that? I know. Yeah. I mean, the greatest player we've ever watched. Yeah. That's isn't that crazy. The power of the mental game is right there. Chip, right. So it, it happens to everybody. And I think yeah. that's a great writer. But as we kind of kind of close this out, what was your high for the year? What was um, something you felt like you did better than last year? Whether that's mental, physical, process, practice. I think we got to end that way. Well, I think one high is learning this. So even yeah. though it feels like a low, it's my greatest learning, which is a gift. I'm going to remember that. Two is definitely around the greens. So someone commented on one of our posts about the short game this week, and I've never heard someone say it. I think it's so genius. He said, 
And shout out to Cameron Belt, the guy I used to work with at Uber. He said he's a good player in his own right. He said, your long game is what can prevent high scores. So that's where you get the high numbers is because of issues with your long game. The short game is what lets you go low. So if you really think about those days where you had your best score, you probably made a lot of putts. You probably had some crazy up and downs. So my short game, obviously you heard my recap of this year. I didn't really go low this year. I had some good nines. I will say I, I had a even par one over nine for sure. But the short game and not just the short game within itself, it was really cool to be able to have, again, I think it comes back to knowledge. Like you really helped me with technique and feel. So just the way my arms work, my hand placement, I and different clubs, I began short, to understand short the short game. Same club, I could have something run out or I could have something check or land soft just by the way I come through the ball. Before I didn't have that type of knowledge, right? So understanding different motions, I think is so important, but more importantly, just finding a go-to motion around the greens and deciding, am I going to be a lob wedge guy or gal, or am I going to use different clubs for different things and start to just practice, play around with it, have fun with it. And my putting, I, I really put a lot into my putting. Well, I mean, I, I was so cool to kind of watch this and we're going to continue this, right? Like, yeah, you just started putting in the time. Yeah. I made a ton of putts this year. You made it you, and you made a decision like with your practice, Yeah, which we've been, which we've shared through Instagram, through Twitter all year, like you just said, like, I'm going to break up my practice routine. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to think how to be creative. Even when you started to struggle, we started to talk again. Like short game was constantly on your mind. And, you know, maybe it was because it, you know, and that's the great thing you were thinking because you were struggling with your long game. But you're still, still thinking like, man, how do I play this game? How do I still get a, I'm still thinking about it, trying to shoot a score and yeah. you got to do it in a different way. And, and I give you a ton of credit because in the past, I think, you were always practicing long game. Boy, your stroke, you really worked on your path this year. Mm-hmm. And then with your chipping and your bunker and like, you know, using your hands, using your arms, you kind of understand the process now. We worked on it last year and the year before, but like, it seems like it's stuck with you. It's not off your mind, which is great. For sure. I think I put effort into getting educated on how it kind of works, thanks to you. And then I put in the work. So I split my time where I would have put an hour, hour and a half into the range. I put 45 minutes or a half hour into my short game when I would go. So that was really great. And I think I'm going to keep building on that. This is going to be a really weird way to end, but I'm going to say it. I'm about to make a video. I just made a video on this and you're going to laugh. Sermon has no idea. I'm going to compare golf to Peter Pan for a second. Well, because I want to share with you what I learned in a good way too before, but I will go, but go into Peter Pan first. (laughs) Okay. So you, you might be wondering, what the hell does the movie Peter Pan have to do with playing One better golf? One of my golf? favorites as a kid, by the way. Yeah. I was Peter yeah. Pan for Halloween, just so you guys know. Oh, I love that. <laughs> we'll find some pictures. We'll get them out there. <laughs> <laughs> so what does Peter Pan have to do with playing better golf? Well, I was looking at... I know where you're going, by the way. I was looking at a study, <laughs> and I looked at a research study by the Journal of Psychotherapy and Psychology that looked at the impact of happy memories or happy thoughts on your current state. And it's actually pretty amazing, even though it might feel really difficult in the moment, you know, it's like, think positively. Well, how can I think positively when I can't hit a golf ball? Okay. Then think of a positive memory, kind of like Tinkerbell told Peter, think of a happy thought. That's the whole reason why he couldn't fly is because he didn't have a, he wasn't holding on to a happy memory. So here's the crazy thing that happens when you hold on to a happy memory. You actually can recreate the emotions and the feelings in your body that are associated with that experience. So feelings of calm, sure. feelings of safety and happiness go up in the study. But here's the coolest part. Feelings of fear, anxiety, all negative emotions across the board went down. I guess the point is, is that instead of playing firefighter, instead of playing drill sergeant, instead of being the pessimist to yourself, if you're, if we're our best caddy out there, you really need to be Tinkerbell. It sounds so silly and stupid, but you kind of need to be Tinkerbell and remind yourself as Peter Pan to find your happy thought. Happy Gilmore did it too, by the way. 
his happy place. Sure. What is your funny story, your happy memory where you can start to recreate those feelings and get back to what you do instead of putting out fires? I like that, Evan. I think that's going to be some momentum for you in this off season, right? And as you think about blending your good physical thoughts with your mental game, what I would share for me was a, a great learning. I think something that helped me be pretty consistent this year with my game was after a round, I, I, I really would take some time to my, by myself for whatever, 15, 20 minutes and think about the, the past 36 hours. What was the night before like? What was the warm up like? What was the breakfast like? What was the weather like? What was the company like? What were the circumstances like? And just kind of think about how I felt and how I played, you know? And I think there were some nights where I was up too late. There were some mornings where I didn't probably didn't get a great warm up, you know? And there was some days where I was maybe playing with some people that weren't very good golfers, you know, and it changed the dynamic of the round. And, and I just kind of said, you know, and just learned from that and said, you know what? Maybe there's, maybe there's external factors that either I created or was just what it is. And it made it harder, <laughs> you know, it made it harder to succeed that day. And I tried to look at where I adjusted well and where I, maybe I didn't adjust that as well. But, you know, an example, of, we were pasta tiempo for your bachelor party. What a course, by the way, I, I was dealing with a back issue. Like I pinched nerve in my disc, but I was like, I can't miss pasta tiempo. How good is that place? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't feel good, you know, but like, I'm, but I said to myself, I'm just going to swing smoother than I've swung all year. And I hit a ton of good shots. Yeah. I had a terrible warm up, And then I get on the first hole and just feel like I'm Ernie Els or Freddie Couples. Yeah. And I just hit this easy cut 265, you know, and I did a lot of that that day and, and really thinking about that. Right. So I thought what I did well was not attach myself too much to the good round, too much to the bad round, but really think about where my successes and failures were based on my preparation circumstances and just where I was at and just let golf reveal me as opposed to define me. As our coach always said to us as we were kids, it only reveals it doesn't define, but I would encourage everybody to do that. You have a bad day. Well, think about why you had a bad day, you know? And sometimes it's just a bad day. Like Grayson talked about your life, your job, your relationship, you know, but just be very aware of, where your mind and body was at and what the external factors were, you know, I think that helped me just not get too down, you know, on a bad day and not to get too up on a good day. You know, I've said this quote before. It's one of my favorites. It's one that I've tried to live by. It's that there's no such thing as failure, only succeeding at finding out what doesn't work. So the good one, what the, the trap we all fall into and we can end with this. We just keep trying stuff, but we're not actually getting clear of what we're trying to fix. So how can you fix something before you know what it is you need to fix? So it's compensation on top of compensation. That's when you get lost. So what you're doing is you're getting clarity on the inputs that led to discomfort, tension, feeling down, bad round, whatever. And you're right. Sometimes it's just an off day. Body didn't feel great. There's no need to blow it up. I mean, look, my biggest takeaway, I think, is look at how much I was changing without even realizing it. You know, like we won the first match and I was trying a different feel before match two. Why was I doing that? Right. You know, but I got a little, I caught up in it just like you did after the junior world, just like you did your first year of college. I think it's very revealing to me. It kind of is blow my mind when you said D one just got to college full scholarship and you're trying to figure out the backswing. I thought that was just me that didn't understand the backswing. I didn't think that a scratch player would not understand the backswing. So maybe that's a sign that you're not alone. We all go the listener. It. We all have confusions. We all have things that we don't know how they work. So maybe the step is learn a little bit about how they work. Get a little bit more awareness on your tendencies and what you do. And then when you're playing, let go of the expectations. And always right? be focused on playing the game. Yeah. And let's be honest. This is not easy. That's the whole point why this show exists. There's no such thing as you getting your mental game in check versus not. It is a constant practice. There is a reason why Tiger Woods, the greatest player ever, has some days where he feels like he doesn't 
know how to hit the ball. And other days it's so easy. Like that's just the game. You so. watch Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and just let go of the club all day. Yeah. They're not feeling it. Right. But they go play that next shot. And they know that tomorrow could be the greatest feeling day. Right. right. You still got to go play that next shot. And that's it. Ev. I think, and I think what's exciting for you is you've got an opportunity to learn a little bit more about what your body does, understand the swing, but you know how to play the game now. You understand what the short game is. You understand, you know, course management. You've talked to the best mental game coaches in the world. You know, you just combine that with getting some confidence with your swing, just a little. And we're not overhauling things anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just finding the right tweaks. Yeah. You know? I hope that this conversation, it was eye-opening for me. It was good to kind of get it out. Yeah. Reflect on the year, take the ego out. I think that's part of what this show is about. We're not trying to impress anybody. We're just trying to get better and improve. Right. So thank you guys as always for hopping aboard. If this show helped at all, send us a DM. We always read them at the part train on Instagram. Give us a review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. And no matter how bad it feels, no matter how lost you feel, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care.